Now, believe it or not, there was an age before Amazon, Wikipedia, and even the Roomba. And in this season, there were men in suits that would, sorry, last time Rachel and I used this, it was so heavy that the wheel was broken. I'm not gonna say who packed it over. That's a different sermon. But there were men in suits, right, that would go from street to street with cases full of household items like encyclopedias or vacuums or whatever else they thought people might need. From sunrise to sunset, they would beat the streets to make these sales. And these door-to-door salesmen and women like you see in the picture, now they've been replaced by some addictions, some online shopping, right? Maybe your friendly neighborhood network marketer, or if you're like me, it's the Instagram ads, right? The things you whisper to somebody that you like, and then somehow the exact item is on your feed the next day. They're listening, right? Don't do that with Bible verses, but it sure does it with shoes, okay? Right? And so, but, but there was a time, there was a time whenever the front door was the front line of negotiation. Now, in my life, um, now I've, I've worked at Faith Promise, I think this is like my 14th year or something like that, but right when I graduated from high school and I was going to college, my parents were very generous and they said, hey, if you earn half the money, we'll pay for the other half. So every semester I would pay, I would pay for half, they would pay for the other half of my school and, and I did odd things. I worked at the church some, but I did construction. But one of the things I did for a year was I sold Cutco knives. And that's, so I was doing it. I was doing it, oh yeah, right. I was cutting the pennies, I was cutting the rope, I was doing it. And so um, there was actually a couple at church and the wife was a very accomplished saleswoman. And so I asked, hey, could I come kind of do my spiel for you guys? And you could coach me, all that kind of stuff. And they just happened to be rich. Yeah, I was neither here nor there, okay? And so I went to do that for them. And uh, I didn't know the husband had prepared for me. And so I'm giving him my spiel, I'm doing it. I'm a little nervous because they're leaders in the church, like they're friends with mom and dad. And so I'm doing it. And uh, I reference how much better these cut coat knives were than the knives that they had at their house. And so the guy stops me, slaps his hand down on the counter and says, so you saying my knives are garbage? And I was like, sir, <laughs> calm down. But yes, no, I didn't say that. I said, no, no, sir, but in comparison, he was like, oh, so my knives are garbage. So seriously, I'm, I'm 18. He starts taking all of his knives out and throwing them in the trash. He takes his whole, his whole like cutlery um, uh, drawer and dumps in the garbage. I've, I peed a little. I'm like, he's going to call dad. I've insulted this man, right? And uh, he was just joking with me. But if you've ever done that sales, and actually we're all, we have things we want in life. We have things we're trying to move forward. And in those moments of sales or in that when you're processing, there's this question that you're always asking yourself or others. What will you give me? What will you give me? Now, I bet you've asked that. I know that I have. And maybe not out loud, but as you make the thousands of decisions a day, you're asking that. You're processing that. What will you give me? And in my Bible reading in the last two weeks, God highlighted a what would you give me moment that one of Jesus' followers wrote down about another one of Jesus' followers. And this moment shook eternity. In Matthew 26, it says, and then the one of the 12, one of Jesus' 
friends, one of his disciples, the one called Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priest and asked, what will you give me? What are you willing to give me if I deliver him, that's Jesus, to you? And so they counted out for him 30 pieces of silver. Now get this last sentence, because whenever Judas decided to give in to the temptation, it changed him. It said, from then on, Judas watched for an opportunity to hand him over. And maybe you know it or maybe you don't, but there's some bondage in almost potentially all of our lives this weekend that's changed how we see the world. And my prayer is that God would free us from that this weekend. Listen, when you look at the Bible, there's almost no other doors open in Judas's life other than when he went from being a brother to being a betrayer of Jesus. That's crazy. Why would he do that? I mean, how could he do that? Jesus was doing amazing things and he was, he was healing people. And sure, he was offending some people, but he was doing some amazing work. Listen, before we open the door to judgment for Judas, I think we should stop and ask ourselves a question. What got Judas to this point? What got Judas to this place? How did he leave himself open for such a catastrophic mistake, such a betrayal? And I think we should ask this weekend, what if the door that Judas left unlocked and unattended is wide open in our life? Think about this. What spiritual salesman snuck in the door of Judas's life and, listen, negotiated away his identity, negotiated away his calling, his potential. Judas was a direct follower of Jesus. He had the opportunity to, to help start the church, to change civilization to what we still celebrate today, but yet something got it away from him. Let me ask, when was the last time that you checked the locks and the doors to the gateway of greed in your life. This weekend is gonna be something special. Let's pray. God, we love you so much. And we pray that this weekend you, you would do what only you can do. There's some freedom that we need that only you can provide. There's a breakthrough that we need you to move on. There's marriages that are falling apart. There's people who are in just in such bondage. And God, I just pray that you would give us spiritual eyes, that you would give us uh, a repentant heart, that we would experience personal revival so we could experience corporate revival, so that we could see national revival. Let us do our part. In your precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, hey, no matter when or where you're joining us from, we're so glad that you're here. Hey, can you guys tell me all of our campuses, can we celebrate God behind bars, those campuses? God's doing something amazing. Men and women are being set free. We're so proud of you. And hey, what I want to say, whether this is your first time, you've been coming for years, can I just say welcome home? Can I say that our door is open to you? We're so glad that you're here. Whether you're watching in the car you're, or listening in the car, I'm sure you're not watching. That's not wise, right? Whether you're at home or on the treadmill, whatever it might be, we're so, so glad that you're here. And what we want, what we want so bad is we want to open the door in your life to loving God, to loving people, to discovering your purpose and setting you on a track to win the world for Jesus. So hey, please let us know what's your next step. How can we help you? How can we serve you? Put on a communication card. If you're a first-time guest, if you need prayer, you want to serve, let us serve you, please. We truly hope that you feel at home this weekend, that you feel believed in this weekend. 
This month we're going to continue to check the locks and the doors that the devil wants to use to access our lives. Over the last couple of weeks, we've locked the door to unforgiveness, we've locked the door to anger, and we've locked the door to sexual immorality, or at least we have attempted to. I believe this weekend there's still some doors that need to be locked in all of those areas. And this week, as we look at another spiritual door that is the gateway for so many real people that are experiencing real problems at all of our campuses. So can I encourage you? In your seat, there's a, there's a card. You did not come to church today, wherever you are, to spectate. You came to participate. You are not a spiritual consumer. You are a spiritual contributor. And so the Holy Spirit is going to prompt you to write some things down. And how I want you to think about it is what needs to change in your life. What needs to go? What does not belong? Listen, we're not going to go through these and report anybody to the IRS. We're not going to tell anybody's parents. We're not going to check anybody's credit score. Today, listen, please hear me, not just in your head, but in your heart. Today is not about shame or guilt. Today is about freedom. What God has for you is about freedom. Jesus didn't come and die on the cross for you to feel bad. He came for you to live in freedom. Now, usually when we talk about money, or sorry, when we talk about greed, the first thing that comes to mind is money. And listen, money does matter. Jesus taught about money almost more than any other subject. And I believe the reason Jesus taught so much about money is because he knew the damage that greed does once it sneaks in the door and sets up shop. And sure, money may be the easiest thing for us to see or to feel, trying to unlock the door to our heart. The first thing maybe that greed wants to use. But listen, let me tell you this. After we get into God's word today, after we spend some time together today, we are going to wish that all greed was after was our wallets. Can I tell you, there's something more important than your wallet. Can I tell you, there's something more important than dirty green paper. And you know that if you've ever lost anything that really mattered. A person, a relationship, a dream, a hope, right? Let me tell you this. Greed wants our wants more than it wants our wallet. Greed wants our wants. It's after something deeper more than it wants our wallets. See, money may be the devil's way in, but greed... It, it, the devil, the money may be the devil's way in the door, but greed wants so much more. Think about it. One of the only things we know about Judas, who followed Jesus for three and a half years, is when he said, what are you willing to give me if he would betray Jesus? Greed committed identity theft when it stole Judas's identity. And listen, Judas is just one of millions that have had their spiritual identity stolen. What will you give me? Think about that question. What will you give me? As I prayed and processed all week, I'm convinced that this question, what will you give me, leads to some of the ugliest parts of our personal life, but also our life as a nation. What will you give me? Opens the, door to a, to, opens the door to greed in a way that none of us want. Listen, the salesman of greed pretends to be here to help us, pretends to be here to serve us, pretends to be here to solve all of our problems. But wait, there's more, greed says. What will you give me? Greed offers, uh, offers everything and anything that we need, that we want, hey, hey, that we deserve, whether we can afford it or not. But what I wanna do for a few minutes is I wanna check the Ring doorbell recording, right? Some of you guys have seen those videos of the Ring doorbell recordings, they are hilarious, some of them, right? 
But what I want to do is I want to take a moment and I want to check the ring doorbell history, not only in our life, but also in our nation and some of these lies of greed and see where they have gotten us. Always starts with, what will you give me? What will you give me? What will you give me if I buy this item that I can't afford, right? What will you give me? Well, if we check the ring recording, we find ourselves and other people in bondage of debt. Do you know that there's over $357 billion of debt in the U.S.? That's, that's over 6,000 per household in credit card debt alone. Does that sound like something that the enemy's trying to use in your life? If so, do you feel free? Maybe that's something we need to write on the card. Maybe that's something greed is trying to use to access your wants. Remember, this is not shame. This is not guilt. It's for us to take a moment and ask the Holy Spirit what needs to change in our life. And let's be bold. Let's write it on the card. What about this one? What will you give me? What will you give me if I try to keep up with my neighbors? Or if I try to keep up with the people I follow on Instagram or Facebook or TikTok, what will you give me? Well, when we check the ring doorbell recording, we find ourselves and others in bondage to the opinions of others. Listen, I know it looks good. I know people's highlight reels look great. But listen, in a, a recent Pew Research article, it says that 49% of all social media users experience more depression and 31% feel more lonely after using social media. What is greed trying to use to access your life? What needs to change? Where are you getting your direction, your identity, your affirmation? If it's not in God, let's write it on the card. Let's have freedom, let's have victory. Pastor talked a little bit about this last week, but another question, another what will you give me? What will you give me if I give this part of my body, if I give this part of my soul, if I give this part of my mind to you? Well, if we check the ring recording in a lot of our lives, and especially in our nation, we find soul ties. We find ourselves mortgaging the promises that God gave for marriage. Maybe you're in a marriage right now and you're feeling that. You're feeling those, that, that greed of, hey, what, 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 I, I really want this. I feel like I need that. That's, that's what I want. Are you trading God's promises for intimacy for what the God of greed has to offer? Here's another one. This is, this is really, as I was praying, this was the revelation that God really gave me that said, hey, greed is so much more than money. What will you give me if I value my freedom? over the freedom of other people. And if you check the ring doorbell recording, you find people, maybe yourself, living lives of pushing other people down to lift yourself. In our nation, it led this country to having people live in literal bondage. As we celebrate Black History Month as a church and as a nation, I'm reminded of what Frederick Douglass said when it comes to this very situation. It says this, that no man could put a chain around the ankle of his fellow man without at last finding the other end fastened to his own neck. See, greed is what leads us to put ourselves over others. And hey, don't be fooled. This is not a thing of the past. There's still injustice. 
There's still people in slavery. You know, actually, because of sex slavery, there's more people in slavery today than ever in the world's history. Do you know, if you take into account the people who are in slavery and bondage to addiction, whether it be uh, sexual, whether it be financial, whether it just be two desires, I bet you there's more people in bondage than there are in freedom. And God's calling his people first to live in freedom and then to lead others to freedom. Listen, greed creates this gateway, this wide open door, stealing the hearts of men and women. And can I tell you, when greed gets in the door, it makes slaves of us all. When greed gets in the door, it makes slaves of us all. If we could look in the spiritual eyes and see what greed looks like as it comes to our hearts, here's what we would see. And we, we have to be honest. Because greed, in my life, there's some things that I want, right? It's easier just to, to at, at, at night, instead of having some more prayer time, just to get on Instagram. It's just easier. It's easier instead of uh, saving or blessing somebody to buy something I want. And so a lot of times I'll leave the door to greed unlocked and cracked just in case there's an opportunity, right? But if we would see greed for what it was, we wouldn't do that. See, if we saw greed for what it was, we would see greed as the, the informant for the enemy, as, as the enforcer waiting to bust our door open. Because what greed does is it makes a gateway for things that are way worse. It disorients us. It, it discombobulates us towards what God wants. It steals our wants. And listen, once greed is inside, it throws this flash bomb, this grenade that disorients us. That, that, that helps us not, or makes us not be able to see friend from foe. Why do I want this? What's the most important thing in my life? Why do I live? What, what, what's, what's life really about? What am I pouring my time, my finances, my future into? We've all asked those questions. What if greed is the one getting us there? Well, Pastor Zach, that seems a little intense, right? This door you're calling greed, it, it just sounds like that's how life is in America. Well, when I get to that point, and I do, I get to that point, what I try to do is I try to go to God's word for what my opinion should be and not what my feelings want them to be. And if we look at what Jesus has to say about greed, it's very clear. In Luke 12, 15, Jesus says this, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. He said, life does not consist of an abundance of possessions. Jesus says, lock your doors, be on guard. He says, life does not consist of abundance of possession. He's telling us, listen, when greed gets in the door, it's gonna make you think that life's about stuff. It's gonna make us confuse the meaning of life. And listen, Jesus doesn't just hit it once. In Matthew 6, Jesus says, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate one and love the other or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money, right? Either open or closed, either in or out. This is not something that we get to play both sides of the fence on. Listen, you can't look through two peepholes. You can't look through the God of greed and what it might want and what might be the most important there and the God of heaven. We just don't have that capacity. It's not how God's called us to live. There's this book in the Bible called Proverbs. And Proverbs is, it's the, uh, it's the book of wisdom. 
and it's 31 chapters. Some of my mentors have, have taught me, which I've done this throughout my life, they'll, they'll say, hey, you read a, a Proverbs a day, right? In 31 days, you get through it most months, so you may read it 12 times a year. It's a great book, but I want to highlight, it's the book of wisdom. What does the book of wisdom say about greed? Well, in Proverbs 15, it says, the greedy bring ruin on their household. The greedy bring ruin on their house. And the reason it brings ruin is because it confuses us as to why our households exist. To glorify and to love God. And it makes it about the world. Hey, parents, can I ask you? What are you letting in your house? What's your house about? Because if, if you're a parent, if you're a leader of a household, we're bringing ruin, not just on ourselves, but on, on the generations that we're raising up that are watching us. This is massive. This is why being in a group is so important. In Proverbs 28, it talks about greed again. And I know I'm throwing a lot of scripture at you, but I want, the Bible has an opinion. And I just wanna make sure that we see it. In Proverbs 28, it says, the greedy stir up conflict but those who trust in the Lord will prosper. Can I tell you this right here? Greed is a trust issue. No matter what greed's trying to do to you, if greed is, is pushing you to look at pornography or, or run it on your marriage, hey, it's a trust issue that God, God's promises for marriage weren't enough. If it's a greed issue that, hey, I've got to shop, I have to find my identity here, I've got to look a certain way, there's a trust issue that, what God made you to be isn't enough. Greed, that's the reason, it's so much more than money, it's a trust issue. What matters most, can I talk to you for a second, students and young adults, really all of us, but especially our generation, this whole woke movement that we experience, a lot of times it's under the guise of helping other people or helping a, uh, a movement, but how much of it is really about being right? Rarely do I look through the comment section of a woke discussion and has somebody else said, hey, I think you're right. Hey, I think you might be on to something there. Very rarely do I see it say, I'm so brokenhearted about people far from God. I'm so broken that people are hurting and being treated this way. It's a visceral fight about who's right. It's crushing our marriages. It's crushing our relationships. And most importantly, yes, I said most importantly, it's crushing our witness to a lost world. And I want to read you one more scripture. And if you're not careful, the devil will use this scripture to make you feel bad. But I do not believe that's why James wrote it. James wrote this so that we could understand and we could look towards the future. In James 5, 1 through 3, it said, now, rich, now, now listen, you rich people, weep and wail because of the misery that is coming on you. Coming on you. They could stop it if they lived a different way. It says, your wealth is rotted. Moths have eaten your clothes. Your gold and silver are corroded. Their corrosion will testify against you. They will eat your flesh like fire. Listen, you have hoarded wealth in the last days. James is inviting us to take a moment to stop and look in the peephole of the door that we keep open in our life 
Look to the future, man of God. Look to the future, woman of God. What do you see? Do you see things that are growing greed in your life? Or do you see things that are growing the kingdom of heaven in your life, in your family, in your neighborhood, in your workplace? Is it growing greed or is it growing the kingdom? There will be a time whenever that is set before you, but we have an opportunity here and now to look, make a decision, and potentially live differently. So what is it that we need to let go of? What is it that we need to put down? And let me tell you, we got to put some stuff down. There's some things around the card, because listen, you cannot shut the door of greed if you won't let go. There's some of us that, there's something you got to let go of. There's something you like. And hey, listen, it might not be a sin. It might not be wrong. But if it's pulling you away from God, it's wrong. You can only serve one master. But what is it? Because if you leave this door of greed cracked for another week, you're making a decision. There's some things we have to put on the doorstep Outside, close and lock and trust God that we're okay on this side. We need to let go of it so it doesn't have a hold of us. So what is it that we need to let go of? Is it comparison? Is it identity in stuff? Is it comfort? Hey, Christian, you're not called to be comfortable. It seems as we read the Bible, we're called to live with a constant pit in our stomach, stepping out against what the world has to say and stepping right in the way of what the enemy wants to do in our life, in our kids' lives, in our neighbors' lives, in our families, in our lost friends' lives. So what's the way forward? What do we do? What's God called us to be actionable towards, be obedient to? How do we live in freedom? Listen, nothing in our lives closes and locks the door to greed faster than generosity. Now, it may sound like I'm selling you something, but listen, don't be fooled. That is the salesman, that's the God of greed trying to keep you subservient to that master. But Jesus told us we have to pick one. That's why we give generously at Faith Promise. Now, you may ask, Zach, are you just talking about money? What do I need to be generous with? Can I give you three things that God has called us to be generous with? First, he's called us to be generous with our time. Our time, hey, listen, you can always make more money, but I think you know now you can't make more time. Those opportunities come and they go. So we want to be generous with our time. What will we give to God and others? We want to be generous with our treasure. Again, I'm not talking about money yet. Treasure, what will you give from the talents that you've been given? Hey, again, that's not something you can buy more of. Your talent, your gifting, maybe it's to hold and pray for those babies and happy kids. Maybe it's to pursue students and go after them harder than the world's going after them. Maybe it's to fight for marriages and to lead group. What's the gifting that God's put in your heart to use? Time, treasure. And the last one is our tithe. We're not scared of it. We're not scared to talk about it because there are biblical promises that God will outgive you. And so we trust those promises. And actually, there's a QR code on the screen. And we, we are passionate about helping people give generously. There's actually four levels. We use, we just, at all of our camps, will you just go to that QR code right now? As I talk to you, go to that QR code right now. And what I want to show you is that there's four levels of giving. There's a learner, 
there's a tither, there's lavish, there, there's a kingdom builder. We're not called just to give every once in a while. We're called to build the kingdom. In Matthew 6, he said, you should pray this way. And one of the things he said is pray that his kingdom would come and his will be done on earth as, in, as it is in heaven. We don't give out of obligation. We give out of celebration. Think about what Jesus said. Because Jesus asks us now, what will you give me? Think about it. This is crazy. Jesus said, if you will give me your burden, I will give you my blessing. If you will just... open your hand from being around this sin, this guilt, this anger, this greed, this unforgiveness, this, this, this lust. If you will open your hand and if you will drop this one ounce card, it'll represent a tons and tons of bondage. In Philippians 4.19, it says this, and my God will supply every need according to his riches in the glory of Jesus Christ. Are you tired of trying to do it on your own? Are you tired of trying to earn your freedom or earn your, 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 your identity, your, your affirmation? Are you tired of trying to make that happen on your own? Well, it's time to trade what you've written on these cards for what is sitting at that cross, which is forgiveness, which is love, which is affection. It's time to exchange our past ring doorbell recording for his promise and for his provision. It says, according to his riches and glory, let's count on Jesus' bank account and not our own. I'm gonna pray for us. And there's gonna be a prayer, at all of our campuses, there'll be prayer teams up front. There'll be prayer teams at the cross. Hey, listen, I am burdened. There are people who, you don't plan on getting up. It's time for you not to live in bondage anymore. It's time for you to live in freedom. Go to a cross, put it down. Pray with somebody today. Walk in freedom. It's who God's called you to be. It's who you are. So let me pray for us. But it's time today. What's the worst that's going to happen? It's time. There's an identity that Jesus came and died and rose from the dead to give you. And it's so much better than what's on this card. Please. I beg you, there's no bonus for the cards at the feet of this cross at all of our campuses. But our hearts are on fire to see God's people live in freedom. I'm about to pray. At all of our campuses, will you just stand with me as I pray? All of our campuses, just stand right now. God, as we stand, I pray that you would give us the boldness to go to a cross and lay down whatever it is. Maybe we need to tear it up. God, whatever it might be, God, would, we're, we're going we're gonna to put this down. We're going to declare your freedom. They're going to worship. God, would you let us worship in more freedom than we've ever worshiped? God, please let us walk in the authority and the forgiveness that you've given us. Please, God, move this weekend. Please. This is the kind of series where revival starts because you, we are obedient to what you're calling us to. Holy Spirit, move this weekend, please. We love you. It's in your precious name we pray. Amen.